What's going on, everybody? Just wanted to go ahead and give our podcast shout out for this new episode of the second season. And we are going to go ahead and shout out to the horror movie podcast featuring Jay of the Dead, Dr. Shock and Wolfman Josh. This is a really great in-depth podcast focusing exclusively on horror films. They go into some real solid analysis. They go really in-depth, something that we try to do as much as possible on this podcast ourselves and we really do admire everything that they talk about i mean it's really really a great show find them on twitter find them wherever you get your podcast especially on itunes and yeah their shows are a little long sometimes over two hours but it's totally worth it they will totally point you in the right direction when it comes to horror movies and anything else related to horror as a genre so give them a listen on with the show I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Rover Ortegon. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. This is Collateral Cinema. Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We're podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420 podcast. So whatever you have, whether you have blunts, whether you have bongs, whether you have dabs, wax, vapes, whatever it is, joints, smoke it if you've got it. But and not also, oh, what? But not heroin. Yeah, not heroin. None of that. None of that. Please don't do it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is season two of Collateral Cinema. Y'all, I am totally stoked for this. I mean, this has been a long time coming. We've taken a little sabbatical. We've been waiting for this, right, too? Oh, yeah, we've been waiting for this for a while now. Right, Ash? Guess who's back. Back again. Back again. (laughs) Back again. Guess Guess who's who's back. back. Guess Guess who's back. back. No, yeah, I'm super, (laughs) super, super excited to be back here. Oh, man, this is great. And we are in the... New studio. This is Section 9 Studios. That's the official name of this. Section 9. Nice. nice. Section yeah, nine. it's literally just a shed that I converted into a studio, is specifically the for the podcast and for other reasons. And honestly, right now, it's sounding pretty good. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Can oh, man. Different change. <laughs> and since we were podcasting last, since we were on the air last time, we've gotten quite a few more downloads, quite a few more followers. We got a brand new, as everybody heard, a brand new intro song. We have a brand new logo, a brand new cover photo. Season two everything. logo. Yeah. Thank God. Oh, man. It, I think that it looks great. It's professional it's looking. It's very professional, dude. By Sam, I was really impressed. It's by Sam Briott. On, uh, you can find him on Fiverr. He did it for like 10 bucks. It was pretty solid. I give him a good review. And who, who, who did the intro music? The intro music is a license-free beat by a guy named Roger Plexico. Oh, okay. Yeah, or at least that's what the uh, file says on the computer. Whenever Shout I look, whenever I look at it, whenever I look at it on the list, that's what it says. You demand Plexico. 
Oh, man. Selling your shit for free? <laughs> well, hey, I mean, sometimes that's just the best way to get your name out there, you know? That's like, true. Y- you yeah. would be surprised how many uh, free beats you'll find on YouTube. Well, that's what uh, that's what you want to do, Robert. You want to get your name out there with your filmmaking? Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah, definitely. Stay tuned in for that, guys. Oh, yeah. We got some interesting stuff coming. Unfortunately, we couldn't finish the film before yep. we started this. We wanted to do that. Yeah. But we did get a lot of shooting done. We got a lot done. But yeah. it's, not, it's not finished yet. Honey. Yeah, now we, what's the name of this uh, film that we're doing again? Killing Night. Killing Night. It's a short film. Killing Night. What do you think, Ash? That sounds just like what we're reviewing tonight. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly <laughs> what we're reviewing tonight. It's a total slasher. And right now we are totally stoked because we went to the theaters and we saw the new Halloween movie. We and did. that is our featured movie on this particular episode, on our season premiere now, guys, what are your initial thoughts on this movie? Oh, it was great. It was like sitting down just like when you were a kid and watching the original for the first time, right? Oh, and certainly. Now, yeah. see, uh, I didn't I didn't watch the original, so this was a completely different experience for me. But uh, nonetheless, it being introduced to the world through this film, I think it was quite a ride. Oh, it was, definitely. I mean... Even that—that's what's kind of cool about it is that even if you haven't really seen the original movie or the movies in between there, or even the Rob Zombie movies, I mean, you can still get into this movie. It can actually be kind of a standalone movie. I mean, even though a lot of it is dependent on the previous, the first movie. I feel it provided enough background information. Oh, definitely. I mean, I kind of knew the gist of the story, I guess, but not any details at all so the the movie i felt was sufficient oh definitely i mean it was it's directed by david gordon green it's written by green and danny mcbride right yes, yes it is and it is produced by and scored by john carpenter, carpenter. himself yeah. the man the man himself what did you think about the score robert oh i think it was bad i mean i mean bad isn't good but <laughs> yeah it was it was <laughs> awesome it was badass. Sweet. all of them i mean gordon green danny mcbride carpenter they sat down and Wrote notes back and forth to each other, just pitched ideas. What would work for this next version 40, yeah. 40 years later, you know? And then they still have that original theme. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they called back a lot of stuff from uh, previous movies. You know, lots of oh, really yeah. interesting stuff. And we will get yeah. into that a little later on in the episode. But right now, we're going to go into an overview of the actual franchise itself. I mean, on. We did Halloween in our first season. It was pretty much our second episode. Yeah. So we kind of went into a little bit of a history of how the movies were produced and, you know, what came out. But this time we're going to talk a little bit about the actual franchise continuity. So, Robert, why don't you just kind of at least give a little bit of a summary as to kind of the storyline starting from the end of Halloween and then going on to probably about the Rob Zombie movies. Right now. Yeah. The end of Halloween, like in Resurrection, where they ended it right there in like 2003? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, it had been like a few years after that, right, where uh, they shot him, and then I think he burnt in the house, too. Yeah, I mean, there's a few times where Michael has been killed. He's been killed. I think he woke up at the end of Resurrection, too, right? His eye opened up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was leading towards another sequel. Yeah, And and initially... There was only supposed to be two movies with Michael Myers, right? Yeah. The first one in Halloween 2. 
Because Halloween season of The Witch, the third movie, I mean, that had absolutely nothing to do with... Had nothing to do with Michael Myers. Michael Myers or Haddonfield or Laurie Strode or Not even the story at all. It would have been cool to see Donald Pleasance come in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ash just got a little bit of a cursory view of Donald Pleasance in the original movie. Mm -hmm. And he, he was very, very, very integral to how that movie actually set its tone and how it actually told its story. I mean, he's the one who really kind of elaborated that Michael is pure fucking evil. Yeah. And must be terminated. That, he, that's his language. He tried to warn everybody. Nobody he listens. warned everybody that, yeah, this dude, this thing, he doesn't call him a man or anything, this thing needs to be put down. He's just yeah. pure evil. Pure evil. And that is completely established in the first movie as we went into on the second episode of season one. Yeah. But, Robert, like, describe a little bit about Halloween 2. Like, how did that actually pick up from the first movie. I think when Loomis was like looking down towards the balcony, right? And yeah, yeah. He sees that he's not there anymore. He just took off and then I think he's ranting and raving in the in the streets saying that he shot him six times. Yeah, yeah. And the other deputy sheriff like didn't believe like you couldn't have shot him six times. Yeah, he couldn't have gotten up. No man could take six slugs and still get up, right? And he's just Falling to the hospital the whole time. Yeah, on foot to the right. So it it picks up immediately after the first film. After the original. Immediately after. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same Halloween night. Exactly. And in in that movie, Ben Tramer is killed, right? Yes, he is. Tragedy. A tragedy. A true loss. Sort of a Halloween prank, baby, that he didn't know that there was a killer running around. Yeah, yeah. But they were hunting him down, and they ran him over. They ran straight, ran him over, and blew him up, kind of, didn't they? Yeah, he burnt alive. Oh, my God. But in this continuity, Ben Tramer lives. He lives. The one and only Ben Tramer. And also, a big shout-out to Cinema Snob for that. He's the one who pretty much perpetuated the Ben Tramer meme. Yeah, that was you know, hilarious. especially throughout his look at that whole his series, movie experience at the movies too, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, we actually saw the midnight screenings episode he did with his wife or ex-wife, I think. I don't know. Um, and he actually uh, played the, the Ben Traber part with that mask <laughs> and everything, and it was, it was hilarious, it was man. Hilarious. Man, but I mean, now now I'm just like, this movie completely corrects that. There's no. Ben Tramer death. It's like, where's Ben Tramer in this movie? <laughs> Man, it would be so cool if they actually kind of referenced Ben Tramer and what he was doing and 40 years later. Again, Ash, um, you don't see Ben Tramer's death till part two. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. yeah, you don't see it in the first movie. It's, who, who is Ben Tramer? He's in, in the first movie, he's kind of mentioned in passing as somebody that Annie is going to hook Lori up with. Oh, okay. But then in the second movie, he actually kind of makes an appearance, but he's wearing a he's wearing a getup similar to Michael, like similar mask, coveralls, and everything. And he gets mistaken for Michael and killed. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, that's pretty much what happened there. And throughout the series, I mean, it has cast a shadow. It cast a true shadow. It was so sad. Everybody picked up after this random character death. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's more or less a little bit of a meme amongst yeah. horror fans we're more just, than a nature of a meme right there. Yeah, it's kind of we're kind of joking a little no, bit there, around. but that that is something that's kind of noteworthy to bring up. You know, I'm something of a memer myself. Oh yeah, that's true. 
Isn't that the fact? That that, that, that was a Raimi meme right there. A Raimi meme. Oh no. Oh no. I knew it. We start talking about like the season of the witch or Halloween four or five. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, in, in Halloween two, it, you know, we are going to go into some spoilers for a lot of these movies. I mean, they're pretty old by now, Yeah. but I mean, in Halloween two, it, it ends with Michael pretty much blown up and burned, you yeah. know, along with the Donald Pleasant's okay. character, Sam Loomis, Dr. Loomis, the oxygen bottles right at the end of the movie. And yeah. 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 I mean, that, that to me could have been a perfect place to end that story. I mean, honestly, I like what they were going to try to do with that. They were going to kind of move it along to an anthology-style series where every movie was going to be different from then on. But Halloween 3 just kind of tanked at the box office, even though it's kind of a cult classic now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, after that, they had to bring back Michael. Because, I mean, a lot of people just didn't especially in that particular horror generation, they just didn't like that movie. And it was like they wanted more Michael because, I mean, at the time, the whole horror franchise thing was starting to pick up steam. I bet you know? they went to the movies because they probably thought they were going to see Michael and they were disappointed. Exactly. Right? I mean, I would like to think so myself. I would have been disappointed. Well. Like, okay, he's only mentioned in a Halloween trailer played yeah. on TV right after the Silver Shamrock stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a brief clip of the one of the scenes from the first movie and it's actually a television movie yeah in that film right yeah yeah it's supposed to be a television movie so this franchise exists in the how in the season of the witch halloween 3 universe it exists there strangely enough crazy but i heard a fan theory that actually makes perfect sense that you know how in that movie and spoiler alert everyone even for you, Ash. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're going to find out about this. I'll plug my ears. There were actual, like, androids or cyborgs in that movie, right? Yeah. Well, there's a little bit of a theory that after Halloween 2, the Michael Myers that you see after Halloween 3, that he's one of those androids. He's one of those cyborgs, and that's kind of why he becomes even more implacable than he was what before. <laughs> and, and it almost makes sense in a weird way in a weird way when you really think about it and it actually fits Halloween season of the witch into the Halloween continuity. You know, it actually makes it not a standalone movie, but part of the franchise as a whole. It's its own thing. It's own, right? Yeah. It, it's its own movie. I mean, it's and pretty cool. It's I a mean, great movie. I'll and I love it. and watch it every now and then. I mean, I'll put it on. Yeah. yeah it's fantastic. And Ash, you got to see it. I'll, I'll watch the whole Halloween franchise. You have to, bro. You have to be one of us. And then watch the cinema snob episodes on it. In many ways, that's almost like definitive. In many ways, it, it, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely comedic. He riffs on him, but it actually shows a pretty good cursory overview of the franchise. So then, after Halloween three, then Halloween four, they returned to Michael. Yeah, yeah. they brought and, him back to life. Yeah, the and, return and, of Michael Myers. And Robert, how did that actually come about? Uh, it'd been like a few years later, right? And then yeah, uh, I think. Jamie Lloyd's born, right? And that's played by Daniel Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- th- that was the movie that that's actually that. introduced Daniel Harris, right? Yeah. Ten years later. Sure. Ten years? Ten yeah. years later. That makes sense. After ten years, yeah. you know. And they're trying to transfer him over right, to a different hospital. Yeah, which is kind yeah. of uh, brought up in the new just movie. Just like this one, it's too. It's just like, I mean, that's a definite callback there. And he escapes. Yep. He yeah. escapes and... Hilarity ensues, needless oh, to say. Yeah, you actually have to see part four. It's pretty fun. I mean, 
Yeah. But it doesn't even have Jamie Lee Curtis, right? They just don't have have Jamie Lee Curtis till uh, Halloween H2O again. Yeah, after the 20 years later. She didn't want to do another one. No, she didn't. Testing one, two, three. We're on. We're here to investigate a patient that killed three innocent teenagers on Halloween in 1978. He was shot by his own psychiatrist and taken into custody that night and has spent the last 40 years in captivity. Hello, Michael. I have something you might like to see. family like turns into a nutcase this time of year yeah i mean your grandmother is laurie strode she was almost murdered wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters no it was not her brother that's something that people made up do you know that i pray every night that he would escape who the hell did you do that for so i can kill him Bus crashed. Mom, what bus crashed? Michael escaped. Excuse me, somebody's in here. Hello? for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. Get out! Go home! Get inside! Honestly, given what that movie was, I mean, even though it's not a half bad movie, H2O. H2O was pretty cool. I mean, I mean, it's still kind of. It's like, you know, the 20-year anniversary, I mean, she, I guess. Yeah, she it's still it, kind of but... weird how they went about, you know, presenting her character at that point, you know? Like, she was in witness protection or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, my understanding is I did a little bit of research, and they actually killed off her character in 4 and 5, right? And in 6. But then H2O they... is like a continuity after 2, I think. Wasn't uh, H2O another, uh, like, reboot kind of? Actually, H2O is a reboot. That's leading right after part two. So this isn't yeah. the first time they've even done this. Yeah. Yeah. See, Interesting. compared to H2O, which Ash is saying, uh, part four and five never existed. And six never existed. Yeah. Yeah. So this isn't the first time that the has all been retconned. Yeah. It's H- just that this time around, there's like four or five other movies that are retconned. H2O <laughs> is technically like the part three, too, right? Right. And then after that, there was what, Resurrection. Resurrection, Yeah. yeah. That's why I say that, I mean, 
if you really want to watch movies that are truly relevant canonically, I mean, I think that the first two, H2O, and then the 2018 movie, yeah. you, you can't go wrong with those. Those four movies, I think, are like essential viewing in this series. But really? then two and H two O aren't even canon to this new this new movie. No, they're oh. not even canonical. Oh, no. No. Just just the first one is yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Lives up to the original, doesn't it? <laughs> and then you guys said there was a Rob Zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first duology. let's talk. Let's talk about Halloween five first. At the end of Halloween four, that's is that where Danielle Harris? Uh, she looks like she's going all going to become the new Michael Myers yeah. or something like that. It's like. They shot him into a mine shaft, right? And then they blew him up with dynamite. Yeah, and and she was dressed up in a similar costume to Michael when he was a kid. The same costume. Pretty and much the same costume. I think, oh. I think she stabbed her mother, like when yeah. she was drawing bathwater for her or something. Yeah, that's true. So he was kind of trying to make a, a case that you know maybe the Myers curse kind of moves on from other people. Yeah, I mean she's she's still like blood, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. I mean, Halloween 5, is that's not where Paul Rudd is introduced, right? Paul, Paul Rudd is part 6. That's in part 6. Yeah. Like, in, in part 5, I don't even really think I saw that one. That's the that's a little revenge bit. of Michael Myers. Yeah, remember that Halloween party they were throwing where he steals a Camaro? That's a Yeah, 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 yeah. Kills that little greaser dude for his 60s Camaro. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> so they have I mean, I, I've seen that clip right there, you know? I mean, that's a pretty notable death right there, but... And I mean, I've never really seen the whole movie. And the, I guess the, where he slashed everybody in the barn, right? Mm. I don't know if you remember that. I don't think I really saw that. Honestly, I didn't see that part. But I mean, what, what's the overall gist of that movie? I mean, that that's is that where we first see the cult of Thorn, or is that sort of? I mean, you see a black figure. Where I tried to show you, uh, he was in cowboy boots, right? Yeah, 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 and in like a trench coat, and he breaks him out right at the end of part five when they arrested him, right? Yeah, I think that and is. Yeah. That leads into part six. So they had that. the return yeah. of Michael Myers, followed straight by the revenge of Michael Myers. Yeah, and then it was followed by <laughs> the curse of Michael the Myers. Curse with Paul Rudd in '96. That, that was Paul Rudd's first movie. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was his introduction into the mainstream. And Donald Pleasant's the last movie. Yeah, his last movie before he passed away. Yeah. Like he, what? When did he pass away? It was nineteen ninety. It's like ninety six, ninety six, ninety seven, something. Like that. I thought you said they killed off his character at the end of two. They they brought him back in the in the other movies as well. Oh. They, they kind of had to. Or in know. part but, two, they they blew each other up. Yeah, but in in, in, the, in the in part four, they show that you know he's at home. He has uh, he's had to have reconstructive surgery because exactly. he was burnt and everything. Oh, wow. they're both burnt yeah. victims. Yeah, exactly. And he survived. They I mean, both he, survived. They both survived, but he has been in a coma for like ten years until part four, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. shit. And then then they were going to do another transfer there, right? Is that what happened there? And they, that that's kind of a similar trope that's kind of recurring throughout the series. It's, it's like every seven to ten years, isn't it? Shit. It's like yeah, they try to move this motherfucker, and then he gets out and kills a bunch of people. It's like maybe y'all should just keep him in place. Maybe you should just yeah. Keep, yeah in one place until he. Dies of old age or something. Yeah. Because he will kill you. This guy always out. gets out. Yeah. He's going to get out. He's going to kill again. Yeah. Now, 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 how does Halloween 5 actually end? Like, what? Like It ends with Donald Pleasance capturing him. Oh, yeah. With yeah. The, the chain net. And then they arrest him in the police station. And then it's a big shootout. Oh, at that's At the police right. station Damn. with the. Sounds awesome. With that, uh, the figure with the cowboy boots and the. 
The okay. Spurs. I don't okay. remember that. Um, anyway, he shoots up the whole police station. Wow. And he breaks Michael out. And that's where we first start the whole cult of Thorn. Cult tangent. of Thorn. It's like, it's like there's actually somebody following Michael through part five. Too. Yeah. He's like yeah, watching yeah. his back, you know? Exactly. It's weird. <laughs> and part six, there's actually two versions of that movie, right? There's there's, a, there's yeah. theatrical cut, and then there's the producer's cut, which is kind of seen as the best version of that movie. Yeah. What's the difference no, between the right. two? A lot of difference. It like, especially difference. in the intro, in the first five or ten minutes of the movie, it's very different. Like, the, the theatrical cut, it's got all this weird kind of... 90s-esque editing gobbledygook that's just really rapid shows a bunch mm. of images and it's it's kind of, kind of a portent to what you saw in the 2000s a lot you saw in a, like in the Saw franchise and everything yeah. or you know Jacob's Ladder kind of started it but again we, we do need to see the part 6 yeah I did grow up with that I don't know I, I would actually yeah. like to check out the uh, the producer's cut of it first. Mm. That's actually what I would like to check out. I don't out think more I've seen thing. the producer's cut all the way through. But yeah. in the the mainstream continuity, they didn't end up producing anything after six. Uh, no, that canon was pretty much put to rest, and it went to that's where it went to H two O, right? Oh, in H two O in ninety eight. Yeah. yeah, and of course we talked about that a few seconds ago. Now that was where. Laurie Strode comes back, but she's not technically Laurie Strode. She's in witness protection. Yeah, she changed her name. She changed her name. What was her name in that? Um, I totally forgot. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, she, she lives under an assumed name at, at that point. She has a son in that version, right? The guy from the faculty. Oh, damn it. Yeah, it, he was homeboy from the faculty. forgot his name. Damn it. Anyway, that guy walked away from acting, didn't he? He pretty much did, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I ever saw him again after that. Not after, like, Slevin, Lucky Number Slevin, right, or something? He was in that movie? With, uh, Bruce, Willis Bruce Willis was in that movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or Lucy Liu, too. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. That's right. As such, because there's two versions of Curse of Michael Myers, there's also two different endings to it. Yeah. Like, I think the producer's cut, the ending, has uh, Michael Myers taking over the role of the figure in black, the man in black. Yeah, like the thorn was passed on to thorn, him. Yeah, the thorn mm. and the thorn passed on to Donald Pleasance. When we watched that, I was like, "Whoa, yeah. how does that work?" That's crazy. Like ba- basically, he becomes the new, like, cult caretaker of Michael Myers. So he he goes evil. I don't know if he goes evil. He's it's just it's kind of thrust on him. Mm. I don't I don't even know if he has a real choice in the matter at that point. Well, we need to watch part five again, Bo, and that does show a lot of the thorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does kind of show the lead up and that cowboy that I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. I, I really do need to sit down and watch that. Now, in in Halloween H two O, twenty years later, you know, of course, how does Michael Myers uh, return in that one? How does he actually come back? I don't really remember it. That is weird. And was this the one with LL Cool J or Busta Rhymes? That's LL Cool J, yeah. LL Cool J was in this one? Um, He comes back like another 20 years later, right? And then he's looking through one of the old doctor's file cabinets, the one that took care of Dr. Loomis before Oh, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was in the original part one and two, right? Yeah. Then after that, we don't see her again. We just see her uh, offspring. Yeah. Yeah, from that point on. And now, how how does that movie end? H2O? 
Yeah, H2O, that, that ends with her chopping his head off, right? Yeah. After trapping him in a... Like a van between a log, right? Between a, like a tree. A whole tree. Like a straight-up whole tree. It's a whole dead tree. Log, and then she just fucking... Like, he's still trying to grab for her, even pinned to a fucking tree. With a van. Yeah. With a van, just like... She, he's uh, still trying to get at her. And then yeah. she just finally, it's like, was it a shovel or? It was a fire axe. It was remember? a fire axe. She, she took that out of the dorm room or something. And she just completely just lops his fucking head off there. And to me, that would have been an acceptable way to, to end that series. For that time, remember that? Yeah. I thought it was over in 98 right there. Dude. That would have been adequate. I thought but, that was over. But of course, they had to bring him back in Halloween Resurrection, which is kind of seen as the low point of the series. In that one, they have a weird contrivance to bring Michael back. Like, what is that contrivance, Robert? In Resurrection? Yeah, at the beginning of Resurrection. Like, how do they... Oh, like, he switched out uh, an EMT with his own clothes, right? I still don't understand how that could have happened. Like, in what capacity could have that happened during H2O? At what time frame? When he was alone, where they were just checking if this killer was dead. When LOQJ pulled... You know, Jamie Lee Curtis, Lori Strode, right off of him. Yeah. She was going to finish the job. Yeah, she was going to take care of him. She was going to take him out. They could have, like, ended it right there even, and it would have been adequate. I don't know. Nothing's more final than lopping a head off, though. Yeah. It's like, okay, he he blew up. Yeah, he could survive that, but but lopping a head off. The the whole bullshit about that is that he he supposedly did a switcheroo. Yeah, he pulled a switch. He pulled a switcheroo on somebody. It wasn't him. The old switcheroo. Yeah, seriously. What, so then that guy was killing, trying to kill as Michael? It, it was weird. No. He tried to break out of a body bag, and he was in the same clothes Michael, dressed uh-huh. in his clothes. He put him on him. And, he just right. put, and Michael just put the mask on him. Put the mask. Right, but why, why, would, why would he then go and try to kill the characters? You, you need to see it. I mean, yeah. it's <laughs> right, right in a van, and then as he's breaking out, of the body bag, she hits the brakes and he goes flying right out through the windshield. Oh shit! And <laughs> she thinks he's trying to kill him the whole time. Yeah. It looks it looks pretty convincing though. You know? yeah. Wow! And then yeah. she just shoves the van right through. And in so. in Resurrection, Laurie Strode is killed. Right in the Stro- beginning. Right yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, she's she doesn't last very long. I think that that was a very, very bad decision. Like a so terrible decision. He went back to Why bring her back and then... Just to kill her again. Right. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And that's something that they completely uh, addressed in the new movie. They, they addressed that entirely. But from there, from Resurrection, we go to the Rob Zombie movies. Yeah. Now, th- to me, I am 
so fucking lukewarm on the Rob Zombie movies. Like, I think the first one is better than the second one, but, I mean, it's and it's an interesting idea. It has ideas there, but Rob Zombie just gets in the way of it too much. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you've ever seen a Rob Zombie movie, you know exactly I, what I mean. I didn't here. like the second Michael Myers too much, but something I was waiting two years for, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> That one just injected more gobbledygook. Although he did try to actually address the whole trauma angle, which you know we're going to get into on this in this episode. He he did try to address that in the second movie as to you know how that would actually look. But once again, he drops the ball because there's too many Rob Zombieisms involved in it. You know, it's too it's too much. Devil's rejects kind of. Yeah, yeah, just that fucking. Trashy redneck bullshit. It's kind of offen- offensive to you. It was very offensive, and it's like, I mean, it, it was sad because there are some great character actors in those movies. I mean, Ken Foray is back for a little bit, you know, from uh, he played uh, the pimp from Devil's Rejects, and he was also yeah. in uh, he was also in Dawn of the Dead. He was, you know, when there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. He's that guy. Yeah. yeah, that's classic eighties. Yeah. Classic eighties, and and honestly, I really did appreciate how Rob Zombie did bring back a lot of classic fucking actors, especially genre actors like Brad Dourif, who I think is like steals the show in that entire both of those movies. Which is the voiceover of Chucky. Right? Yeah, he's the voice of Chucky from Child's Play. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, cool as fuck. <laughs> and he is he's actually really good in both those movies. Like really, really Child's good. Child's Play one, two, and three. Something we grew up with too. I mean, oh man, I mean, yeah. I, I have Child's Play uh, one, and Child's Play three is actually a little bit of a guilty pleasure for me. I, it, it's actually <laughs> the, a very silly movie. In the army, <laughs> yeah, in in it's a military uh, boot camp, That's boarding cool. school or something like that. What? It, yeah, it's <laughs> he mails himself to him. It, it's <laughs> it's because he's trying to kill the original kid that that actually had him in the first movie. Andy Barkley. Andy Barkley, exactly. He he, tra- he tracks him down to a uh, to a military school, you know, because he's he's obviously fucked up from what's happened to him. And he has to face uh, Chucky again. And Bra- Brad Dourif is great in all those movies, you know. Once again, he just like he's the arguably the centerpiece of the two Halloween movies, him and Malcolm McDowell who plays Loomis, Donald Pleasance's character. But I mean, and, and let's talk about a little bit about Loomis in those movies. He's very different. Not like the Donald Pleasance we're used to, right? Yeah, I know. He's, he's not very subtle. You know, there was a subtlety to Donald Pleasance. You know, uh, yeah. that is just not really present there, especially in the second movie with Malcolm McDowell. Although he makes it his his own thing. It's like, I, I don't know. It's like, you know, it's missing something. You're talking about the Rob Zombie? Yeah, mm-hmm. we're talking about in the Rob Zombie movie. Yeah, Malcolm McDowell, he was he was Caligula. He was a homeboy from Clockwork Orange. And he, he was actually arguably one of the better, also the other really, really good part of that. Udo Kier makes an appearance in the first movie. Udo Kier does. And also Danielle Harris herself. Yeah, you know, she's is, in part two. I think they kill her off in the second one, right? Yeah, yeah. She she's in both those movies. I think she's, she, kinda, she's the Annie character. She's Annie. Yeah. In I that, think, in I that think version. She was kind of pissed about not being in this one, you know. <laughs> she should have probably had she's a little bit of a, a role. Little, I mean, she still looks young, you know. Yeah, she could have uh, had some little role she's in this. Still star you know? of these two, you know. But I mean, 
from there, we go to this movie now, Halloween 2018. Now, this is where everything is just completely wiped away. It's completely rebooted. It pretty much starts from the very ending of the very first movie. And after 40 years, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays Laurie Strode, her character is just completely wrecked. She's a yeah. wreck, right? Traumatized, post-traumatic stress. Oh, man. I symptoms. mean... And, and it's such a brave role for her, you know? I mean, the first one was brave enough, you know, that being her first role. And she nailed it perfectly. I mean, in many ways, she's the perfect scream queen. How long did it take? To f it felt like 21 days or something. Something, something like that. It, it, it wasn't even that long. We're talking about the first movie, right? Yeah, this one right here. No, it did not take very long for them to do that at all. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I, I could tell the, the trauma with Jamie Lee Curtis. And this had come from not having seen the first one. She played a very paranoid character, but then, of course, by the end, you see that it's all very... My argument there is that she's not so much paranoid. She's just... She just learned from her trauma, maybe in ways, some ways that weren't very healthy, but... She it was kinda, all justified by the end. Yeah, she learned it and she prepared for it. So, I mean, that's my sense. She's more prepared than anything, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it... I mean, she ended up being right. <laughs> like, Definitely. The last 40 years, she he knew. And I don't think that's too huge coming. of a spoiler. Yeah. I mean, we, we know that Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be kind of a badass. Yeah, she was very much uh, kind of hyped up as a, a very different Laurie Strode here. I mean, she's older, wiser, quite a bit more traumatized. She really just brings it in this movie. And, and she was like the best part of the new movie. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. straight up. I mean, she was incredible. The one and only the original screen queen. Yeah. yeah, straight up. But, I mean, what was great is that it was still a realistic portrayal of how a, a so-called final girl in the first movie, mm -hmm. how she would actually deal with that trauma all those years later. Like, yeah. she, she by that point, she had had, like, how many divorces? She'd already had two failed two. marriages. I think she takes out her stress in a target range right out back or something. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what's indicative of that target range. It's like there's a lot of frustration there. A lot of frustration about what's happened with her family, what happened to her, mm. you know. And in many ways, I mean, I think that she kind of feels a little guilty about putting her daughter through all of that, but it was all for a reason. Yeah. Which she's is prepared. She's about spoilers. Very much prepared. <laughs> yeah. We're going to try not to go into too many spoilers about the new movie. I mean, that's why we're just mainly talking about... I mean, that was in the Jimmy trailer. Cruz. I mean, everybody saw she was shooting this, something. <laughs> yeah, man. And yeah. she she went badass to a whole nother level, yeah. you know? I mean, she, like, knows her way around guns. She built an elaborate compound that keeps everybody out. And it was so compelling, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. especially given her trajectory from the first two movies and then through H2O and Resurrection and then having all that wiped away and come back to this. Come back to now. You know, this is basically part two. Yeah. It e everything else never happened. This is part two. This is Halloween part two. Yeah. The new canonical part two, as far as I'm concerned. Which yeah. is interesting because the first time they they did that, they kept two in. But this time they just, which was because it was in the same night, but this time they just wiped it. Yeah. Yeah, they, they just kind of brought it like 40 years later. You Do you know? think there was any reason for that? 
honestly, it's the only way that this story could have been realistically portrayed. Which is it was 40 years refresh later. Refresh the whole series. Because they, they could have, you know, basically made it more of a direct sequel and the same time frame and everything. Like, they could have literally gone all the way back to 1978 or whatever. And, yeah. you know, they, they could have kind of brought it from there. They left off. They could have the picked up where they left off. Yeah. yeah. But honestly, it's like, I don't think that this movie could have been any other way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's so great on the screen, huh? Yeah, it distinguishes itself yeah. more, I guess, because they already did a reboot, which which picked up after two, and then they already yeah. did a full reboot, which was a little too much, and then this one, yeah, right after the first one. I mean, even uh, Friday the Thirteenth trying to do that. I know you saw that. Yeah, LeBron James, LeBron James is producing a new Friday the 13th, and I am actually very excited about that. Is it a full reboot, or does it follow the original? I think it might be a full reboot, right? Yeah, it might be. I think so. Which will be interesting, because, I mean, I mean, Robert and I, we watched the recent remake, the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th, and I found it to be okay. It wasn't mm-hmm. too... I mean, at that time... It had some interesting kills in it. I would have loved it, too. I mean... And a very, very it's gratuitous sex scene. Jared Padalecki. <laughs> Jared Padalecki. Yeah. yeah. San Antonio oh, boy. Oh, Jared Padalecki. Yeah. yeah. Supernatural. 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 Yeah. He, that's one of his uh, first roles, right? Movie roles? Probably. Uh, he did The House of Wax in 2005. I mean, I is, is it his most notable one? That one? Yeah. Because, you know, he's been doing Supernatural for like 12, 13 years, right? I mean, Jeez, man. Okay. But this question's really burning me, right? What's that? Gratuitous sex scene. Does it include Freddy Krueger? <laughs> Freddy Krueger. And no, it wasn't. It wouldn't include. I mean, Freddy sorry, Krueger. Jason. Jason <laughs> I don't know why I said Freddy Krueger. You know what? That's staying in the fucking podcast. That, dude. Is, that, is <laughs> that, that flub is staying we in. We need to bring you up on all this. Yeah. It's like my God, man. It's like I, I swapped him. I I know the difference. I just I legit. <laughs> you know what? You'd be surprised how common that is. Yeah, people right. get it mixed up. There's a lot of people, right. or like that old trope, you know, where it's like the slasher killer is like an amalgamation of like Texas Chainsaw and. You know, he's got the chainsaw, he's got the Jason mask, You're and he's right. got the Michael Myers suit. You're right. It's like Jason never had a chainsaw. <laughs> no, he didn't. He never uh, used a chainsaw But once. Ash Williams did. Ash it's, Williams uh, did. Oh, yeah, Ash Williams did. Leatherface had the chainsaw. Leatherface had the chainsaw, yeah. and he decidedly does not have a fucking hockey mask. Yeah. <laughs> it's somebody's face that's all in leather. Literally. <laughs> it's somebody else's face. He's yeah, that, that, that's supposedly what that, that's supposed to be what that is, dead skin mask. Yeah. Yeah, dead skin mask. Slayer, Slayer, Slayer. (laughs) Does Ed Gein provide any uh, inspiration for Michael Myers himself? Or I'm not really sure about that. Well, he does inspire like uh, Texas Chainsaw too, right? Doesn't it? Texas Chainsaw precedes uh, Halloween, doesn't it? It came out before. Few years the, beforehand, uh, the original movie of Texas Chainsaw was like '74, right? Yeah, yeah, Early. yeah. So it'd be a good four or five and years before. The actual, right? Yeah, the actual event of the Texas Chainsaw was like '73. Yeah, true yeah. story. Right? Halloween says supposedly it takes place in '78. Supposedly, I mean, we don't know how Hollywood jacked this up. I mean, with all the sequels, even in the '70s and '80s, but just milked it all for what it had. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But back to Halloween and back to the Laurie Strode. I mean, we already talked about how she's different from the F- Laurie Strode in the first movie and in the other movies that she's featured. 
I think that we should definitely bring up Scout Taylor Compton's Laurie Strode in the Rob Zombie movies, which was an entirely different interpretation, of course. Much more modern. She's a she's a younger girl. Oh, she's beautiful. So, uh. Yeah. Scout Taylor Compton is a she's a definitely a serviceable actress. I just don't think she was particularly given some great material to work with. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that's kind of what I feel. Brought Daniel Harris back and as her friend, and that was a, that was a good little shout out to the other movies right there. Was having Daniel Harris her, back because uh, she's part four and five. So. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The daughter of Laurie Strode, right? Yeah, yeah. she's a, the daughter, exactly. But I mean, Scout Taylor Compton's role is like first off, she's a little more of a straightforward character in the first movie. But in the second movie, she tries to take the whole uh, traumatized PTSD thing, and, and it's good that that movie actually tackled it like that, but I don't know. Once again, like I said earlier, the zombieisms just drown it all out. Yeah, with that white horse we see the whole time. Remember that? The white horse, and then there's the ending, which, yeah, it was nice to see the little psycho smile there. You know, that was a... Anthony Perkins, thank him for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an interesting little callback, but it was kind of confusing. You know, it's like, I get that you're trying to go art house with this zombie, but get to the fucking point. You just jocked Hitchcock, Anthony Perkins. Like, Seriously. Dude, man, he would be rolling in his grave. He's fucker. Oh, sorry. Oh, f- fucking cuss all you fucking mm. want. I don't fucking care. Damn. Fuck everything. Anthony Fuck Perkins. Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins was great. It was the shit. Language. Yeah. No, no language. <laughs> I was a real actor, too. <laughs> Michael Myers is a human being who killed his sister when he was six years old. And he came after you. We just want to know why. We want a glimpse inside his mind. Michael Myers murdered five people. And he's a human being we need to understand. They're transferring him. Tomorrow, 7 o'clock. No, he'll be locked away until the end of his days. That's the idea. Laurie, we saw him. We met with Michael. I showed him the mask. There was nothing. No response, nothing. He won't talk to anyone. Never has, but... but I think he might speak with you. But, I mean, how do you think uh, Scout Taylor Compton actually approached the role that she, that she did? See, I was Robert. still a kid at that time. It was, like, 2007. Yeah. Not too bad, really. I mean, I loved it, too. I loved what he was trying to do, but I didn't like the fact that Michael was, like, a seven-footer, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was a little I mean, bit of a normal build to Michael in the first two movies, Especially, yeah. and yeah. even in some of the like five and six, freakly, like, freakishly huge man. Look at yeah, that. Yeah, he he wasn't this bodybuilder, bigger than a tree. I yeah, mean. seriously. And then, then what what is the whole thing in the Rob Zombie movies where, b- before Michael escapes, those two guards go in there and try to rape that girl? What the fuck yeah, is that? That is stupid as shit. That's like the uncut, unrated version. Yeah. Right? Why the fuck yeah. would you? Why the fuck would you be doing that in? His room, like that scary motherfucker. Just left the door for him to break out. Seriously, yeah. I mean, you couldn't. You may as well just giving him the fucking keys and just gone into another room. <laughs> or, well, I mean, first of all, you don't need to be raping fucking mental health patients for one. It's like for one. 
Yeah, that was fucked up. It, and it was kind of unnecessary, I think. The dysfunctional Did family. it for the shock value? Because the thing is, there's not a whole lot of real base sexuality throughout the Halloween movies. There's some nudity there, and there is some intimations of it. And yeah, you know, Michael does kind of get... There is that whole connection between him punishing teenagers who are having sex and whatnot, but I kind of feel like that was always a little more Jason's that thing. It is. It's the know? premarital sex. He just smells it, I think. Yeah. But <laughs> there's not really a whole lot of real sexuality to to the Halloween movies. Even in this new movie, there's not really anything like that in there, right? No, nobody's doing any of that. I mean, you just see... Uh, Allison Strode's boyfriend making out with another girl, but that's about it. Dry fucking. Yeah. And then, yeah, the whole reference is to dry fucking, but even that's very tame. Yeah. That's extremely tame, they actually. They don't do anything. Re- yeah. Seriously. It's, it's like it's it's more like innuendo than... What do the rules change? Because it's 2018 now? What, what's, what's going on? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of goes back to how prudish American culture can be about sex. You know what I mean? Yeah. That you can show all the fucking violence in the world, but heaven help you if you show some titties or... Maybe because it was underage sex. That's a, that's another thing, but that hasn't stopped fucking horror movies in the past, dude. No, at least that hasn't. Tit right in the in the it, past, it, it wasn't an issue, but now plenty of that in Nightmare on Elm Street and in Friday the Thirteenth. There, there's a lot of that sleepaway camp. It's like sleepaway, sleepaway camp got perverted with it. Yeah, it's had a straight up creepler in that movie. It's like teenage unhappy campers and teenage. And, and let's not even get started on the burning. The burning, yeah. Oh, that is a rapey, rapey-ass movie. Still a great horror movie, but a rapey-ass movie written and produced by Harvey Weinstein. Oh, that explains it. <laughs> explains everything. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. I, I think we brought this up in the Zombie Honeymoon episode, but once yeah, again, oh, it's like, oh my God, why didn't anybody see this coming? Why didn't anybody see that? It's so obvious. Right, right, Robert? Yeah. Pretty much. And very disturbing. Very 1982-like. Well. <laughs> 81. But this movie has some amazing themes to it, you know? And the main theme that's recurring through it is trauma and how someone actually individually deals with it. Because, I mean, like like we said, you know, Lori is more prepared than paranoid, but it's obviously it's obvious that her trauma does manifest itself in many ways. Like in that restaurant scene where she shows up to her family, her granddaughter, her granddaughter's boyfriend, and her daughter. It's like that is a very awkward scene. It's like but she it's, had a nervous yeah. breakdown, pretty much. Pretty much, but it's very everybody. real, and she can't function in normal society. Yeah. She anymore. can't. I mean, she had to make that compound. She had to make th- to make that for you mm-hmm. know. She had to, you know, and we're not really going to go into how the new movie ends or how the compound plays into anything. We'll just say that, yeah, Lori is kind of a prepper here, mm-hmm. but she's not a prepper. You know, she's not she's not prepping for doomsday. She's prepping for this inevitable moment when this creature fucking comes for her again. So she's maybe kind of like Loomis. She's like. He needs to be put down. If he's not put down, then eventually yeah. he's just going to come back. He's going to find a way. Yeah, she she pretty much uh, is of that line of thinking. Exactly. 
and and it's kind of it's kind of funny how she brings up the new Loomis thing, you know, because there is a a uh, doctor that takes over the Loomis role. Yeah, we're we're not gonna tell you where that ends up. It ends up in a way that I kind of feel is a little bit of a detour in the Pretty narrative. Weird, but I mean, if you see the movie, ladies and gentlemen. You'll know what we what we mean. It just didn't know? seem necessary. No, it was it was pretty unnecessary. Pretty like y- y'all know exactly. Like what you said, like about. some thorn stuff just coming out again. Yeah, you know? it, it felt like it felt cold to thornish. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. It was very weird. And also another thing that was interesting about those themes is how that actually affected Lori's family. I mean, the aforementioned restaurant scene, but also there's that there is another scene where Lori shows up at their house and they have to deal with her. You know, we're not going to once again, we're not going to spoil it for you. We're not going to spoil what actually happens there. But too much. You know, she does show up and it does cause conflict. You know, we'll, we'll say that. And it really just kind of undercuts, you know, how those types of traumas and those types of experiences, they cut deep and they cut into other people's lives as well. Three generations of Strode. Three generations of Strode are featured in this movie. You know, three generations of them. And three generations, it takes three generations of them to take on Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty much the Strode family that's fighting them here. And And I think that's one of the other themes here is about, you know, how family actually plays into that trauma and how family can actually help both exacerbate and alleviate it. Do you think there was a clear protagonist? Because I think that both Allison and Laurie kind of... They kind of both share a little bit of a protagonist role there because, I mean, one thing we will say is that there is no final girl here. There's no... I mean, Allison's not a final girl. All three of them are. Well, actually, the young young one's holding... The knife. The young one, I and guess you could say, it is close to a final. What girl. is cool is I've been watching a lot of horror films, and all of them end like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the back yeah. of a truck, right? And this, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, that is. Sorry, that is interesting. So, <laughs> what I thought was interesting too is this movie doesn't even open up from the point of view of either Allison or Laurie. It has no, a it different doesn't. perspective. Yeah. With those, uh, the podcasters. Yeah, that's actually something that I thought was really cool and interesting way to actually introduce Michael back into the canon. Right. You know? it, it follows them for, for a little while in the beginning. Yeah. I actually thought they were going to be the main characters. Yeah, but it, let's just say it doesn't end well for anybody there. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I will fucking say. Mm-hmm. They Ooh. may or may not survive. Let's just put it that way. And yes, we will be coy about that. <laughs> they may or may not. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe they kind of fucking show that in the trailer. If you if you've seen the trailer, you could probably surmise what happens. I don't think if anybody had watched the originals, they would have thought that those those characters end up being the protagonist for the whole movie. So one. obviously I, something happens. I honestly thought that the I honestly thought that the dude Aaron, the male uh-huh. podcaster, I kind of thought that he was going to become a little bit of a Loomis almost. I thought oh. he was going to kind of become a Loomis, just not as a psychologist. Like, how the hell you get but a hold as that, that male mask? lead? Yeah. 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 The attorney General. There wasn't a male lead. The mask. Yeah, there wasn't an actual male lead here. Well, Michael, no. but you know. <laughs> I think, yeah, you can argue that Michael is the lead. Character you could argue because a lot of it's put from his point of view. So, in addition to being the antagonist, though, at times you actually follow him. and Yeah. And, and that kind of calls back what happens in the first movie where. The first thing we see is Michael's point of view. 
First person. I mean, First person. If you look at the franchise as a whole, too, it, it's the story of Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very much about Michael Myers and his pursuit of the Strodes. Yeah. And it, it's very single-minded, at least, at least in the first few movies that feature him. Mm-hmm. It's very single-minded. But then it gets convoluted by the whole, you know, called the Thorn thing. Then Rob Zombie. Even. And then Rob Zombie had to come in. <laughs> <laughs> had to come in and redneckify everything. <laughs> make make a bunch of dirty rednecks. No offense. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know why he does those characters. It's fucking yeah, it's stupid. weird. A little disturbing. Yeah. yeah. But... In the end, all three Strodes do come together. They face adversity, and we'll leave it up to the audience to find out if they triumph. It's a strong female empowerment moment. It is. It very much is, and it's very empowering, especially given the themes of victimhood and trauma. Right, and it's interesting, too, because with things like, um, you know, the Me Too movement Mm -hmm. and uh, a a lot of a lot of like female empowerment, you know, feminist yeah, kind of things yeah, going yeah. on now. So I, I think that's important to have. Real. It's very timely. And it's not even just one female lead. I mean, you've got, yeah. Yeah, you've got three different generations of, of the strobe yeah. women in this movie, I should say. But we're going to go ahead and talk about the actual production of this movie. This was... Directed by David Gordon Green, he directed Pineapple Express, right? He did Pineapple Express. What, what have, has he done any other movies other than that? Like a lot of Danny McBride's films. Like or, didn't he? Didn't he have something to do with This Is the End? Didn't he sure. direct that? I mean, I would be. I know he did. Uh, what was that other one with James Franco? Like Your Highness, right? Remember that? Oh yeah, that's stuff right. Like, he did like Your that. Highness, like stuff like that. Didn't that also have Natalie Portman? Yeah, in Yeah, see, that's Pineapple Danny Express. McBride. All over. That's David Gordon Green all over. Yeah. James yeah. Franco. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. He 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 has a working relationship with James Franco as well. It's like I swear a, to you, pay. film school buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Just came together and wrote this Halloween movie. <laughs> yeah, and and it's co-written by Green and Danny McBride, right? Yes. I, I don't know if John Carpenter had any oversight of the writing. No, of the writing. Not no, really. I mean he, he was a producer and he, he, of course, he scored the movie. He did pass notes back and forth. Yeah, to I'm, Tom he, Green. No, David Gordon Green. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Tom Green. He's liked a few more of our tweets. Love you, Tom Green. Yeah, he love has. You. Yeah, we love you, Tom Green. But. David Gordon Green, his direction in this movie was very sparse, I think. I mean, it's there's a lot of moments where there's quiet here, which once again calls back a lot of what the original movie was. A, little, a lot of the original movie was kind of build-up and tension, you know? Exactly. There's several fake-outs. Yeah, there's a lot of fake-outs, yeah, both in the first movie and in this movie. Scare. Which is awesome because it, like, it builds up the suspense and then you're just like... That's something we don't have anymore is that 70s, 80s suspense builder. Yeah, exactly. And this really just kind of brought that back. I mean, yeah. it actually did feel like an older movie, but it was still very modern. Like you still had cell phones, you still had, you know, internet. I think there's a little bit of an internet. In I mean, it's a good slasher movie. I mean, yeah. you just want to sit down and watch a good slasher movie, right? Everybody does. Yeah, and it's been a and long time since there's been a really good, serious slasher in the theaters. Yeah. You know? I mean, you either get something that's a little more tongue-in-cheek, like Happy Death Day or 
or what? What's that oh. Hellfest movie? I think it is. It's called Hellfest. They did a. Uh, they did Scream recently, and that was kind of the same thing as as the, as this yeah, movie, right? The thing about Scream is that that was always a satire of slasher movies. Oh, okay. Like it's, it's especially obvious with the very first movie. So you know, like with Drew Barrymore scene. Wes Craven. Yeah. Scream and Wes Craven, Love he that, com- yeah. he completely reinvented that the slasher genre after that. And I think it was Kevin Williamson. He was the one who wrote that movie. Like he he kind of became a little bit of a he he kind of became like the John Hughes or like the the analog nowadays would be uh, Stephen Bloom you know the dude who uh, runs Bloomhouse oh that that would be his analog today more or less why did they ever do a Freddy versus Jason versus Michael Myers three way uh, you'll see that on fan films yeah you'll see it in fan films <laughs> you gotta sit down but I mean originally that was gonna have uh, Ash from Evil Dead which made sense, and there was even some intimations that Pinhead could have been involved from Hellraiser. They're going to get uh, Leatherface? Yeah. Could. Something like that. They could. Fan films, bro. We just sit there and watch them all night. <laughs> exactly, man. Fan yeah. films are a lot of fun, especially for Friday the 13th or Halloween. The Boogeyman? All this hiding, all this preparation, it was for nothing. I mean, it took priority over your family. It cost you your family. If the way I raised your mother means that she hates me, but that she's prepared for the horrors of this world, then I can live with that. Say goodbye to Michael and get over it. As far as the production of this movie, I mean, what did y'all think about the writing of the movie? The actual writing that Green and McBride did here? It's actually, yeah, summed up the last 40 years. It was fantastic. It was it was yeah. really, really yeah. great, you know? I mean, not to mention, I mean, putting aside the actual themes that we talked about earlier, I mean, just as a basic horror movie, it actually really hit all the notes. Oh, the writing damn is really great. I wish we can just go to the movies and watch it all the time, though. Yeah. I would love but, that, man. That would be fucking exactly. great. That would be great to have a private screening room for shit like that. <laughs> yeah. I'd mean, be down to go watch this again. Yeah, yeah. I would love to, Yeah, you got to see it in. We need to go again. Yeah, we got to yeah. go back to the theater and we got to see it again all together. Uh-huh. All three of us. It's the second week it's been out. Already. I'd love to yeah. experience it in the theater. I, I, I yeah. kind of. That's the only way. That's, that's the only yeah. way to watch one of these. Yeah, we have to go back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it, it's a great theater experience too. Like everybody was really, really into the movie. They just kind of th- there was nobody heckling it. There was nobody bullshitting. Right. It, it was pretty legit. I'm I'm a really big movie theater guy. I yeah. love the experience. Yeah. I know I'm paying extra. I know, but you know, I, and I have, I gotta go all out. I gotta have the popcorn. I gotta have the soda. For oh me, man, you're one of those people. It's it's uh, Jesus. If Christ. I'm going to the movie and I'm buying an overpriced movie ticket, yeah. I gotta have popcorn and soda too. <laughs> right so, on. Walk out every time to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Now and John Carpenter did the it. John Carpenter did the score of this movie. I think we briefly talked about it earlier, but the score here is. Once again, very sparse because of Green's directing, you know. It's pretty sparse because of that, but it totally fits the Halloween ethos and the aesthetic, like, perfectly. It still feels like old-school analog synthesizer music. Even the, in- the intro from, like, 78 or... Yeah, and, and the cool thing is, John Carpenter, he does go on tour and perform his music. He does do that. 
And so, so does uh, Argento and Goblin. They they do that as well. They play like the Suspiria or the Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, Carpenter so, used to be in a band. Too. He's yeah. a director, writer, and he does music. And he does yeah, music. He's, he's a jack of all trades. Used man. to be in a band. So yeah. in the original, did he did he write the original score for that also? Yeah, yeah, he wow. did. Wow, that's awesome. I and mean, he also performed it, right? I think so. Yeah. I think he did. He co-wrote it and he performed it. But I mean, I really, really liked the music and the sound design in this movie was spot on. Cinematography wise, like I said, it feels like an old movie. And we will get the mask yeah. for this twenty eighteen film. Yeah, we are gonna do a fan film hopefully, for this movie. Hopefully. Sometime soon. Get everything together and get yeah. everybody. And there were a lot of Easter eggs in this movie. Like we, we went through a few of the callbacks, you know, talking about the franchise, but the young like the young boy's death in the driver's seat, that's a callback to Annie's death in the first movie. You know, like yeah. he's he's uh, in a car, he's strangled, and then he just dispatches him really quickly. Yeah, there's there's a child that's killed in this movie. <laughs> At least one. I didn't, yeah. I didn't see that coming. I don't think anybody did. Right? I, I don't <laughs> think anybody saw that coming so, either. I didn't know he would, yeah. Of course, everybody kind of groaned at the father there. Yeah. You know, but we're, we're not going to go into why. Let's just say it was stupid. I mean, the little kid just wanted to dance. He just wanted to dance, man. Just wanted to dance for his father. I just want to dance, Dad. <laughs> Damn just it, Dad. Tap dance. I want to dance. Curb, curb, curb tap. I want to go curb dancing. Curb dancing. I love curb dancing. Kevin I curb Bacon. dance all the time. I dance on all curbs. <laughs> we're we're referencing a Harmony Karine short, by the way. <laughs> definitely watch curb dancing. It's interesting. And... At the beginning of the movie, there's that kind of inverse of the original title screen, right? Like, it started with this dilapidated pumpkin that's all rotted out and just kind of desiccated. Mm -hmm. And then it just slowly in reverse stop frame, like time lapse, it completely just plumps back up and turns into a big old jack-o'-lantern. Jack that was fun when we first saw that on the screen. That was really cool. I was like, that's clever <laughs> that as is, fuck. That is cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good way to both evoke the first movie and kind of differentiate it a little bit. Michael Myers is coming back. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, it's kind of symbolic of the return to form here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a serious return to form. And Judith, Judith Myers, her headstone shows up in this again. Yeah. Yeah, when the podcasters go to the cemetery, you know, they, that shows up again. That's a good, nice little callback. And was uh, the Myers grave disturbed in this one, or did they just go there just to... Just to pho photograph it, really? Just to photograph it yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcast episode, I think, online and stuff. And the silver shamrock masks from the third movie, from Season of the Witch, show up here. All three of them, right? Yes, they do. Let's see here. It's a skull, a witch, and a jack-o'-lantern. Yes. Yeah, that was really, really cool. I saw that. I was like, oh, Season of the Witch. That's, Fuck yeah. You guys kept actually calling out a lot of things, like a lot of uh, especially thematic things. Yeah. I noticed you're like, oh, that's Halloween 4 right there. That's yeah, there's a lot of thematic elements. Two that are with just, Season of the Witch 3 right there. That are directly <laughs> called back. You know, there's a lot of stuff in this movie. Like <laughs> if you've seen the Halloween franchise, was there any references to the Rob Zombie movies? No. No, there's no reference to they that. They just kind of want to forget about it. Yeah. Yeah, they just want to kind of... I think John Carpenter Even John Carpenter, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't even like nope. it. <laughs> John Carpenter doesn't, doesn't like it, those. No. Usually it takes a lot for a creator to, to, to publicly just, diss the remake. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, remember that Stephen King, he very openly did not like uh, Kubrick's version of The Shining. He hated oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because he doesn't see it as a true adaptation, and it's not. But, I mean, you know, that, that that's a con- conversation for another But he liked the new It, right? Oh, the new It is great. But Stephen Can't King, wait for the new Stephen Pet King Cemetery. Stephen liked it too, right? <laughs> Can't wait for the new Pet Cemetery. That's, that's going to be fucking awesome. Chapter that's 2 of It should be out. <laughs> yeah, that'll be out in November, right? That'll be great. Oh, really? man. That's in. Chapter 2. Which we'll probably be going on screen episode to, right? Maybe. Yeah, we might do an on screen episode maybe. on that. We, I would like to actually maybe do something for YouTube for that. Yeah. So yeah. Put a face to the voice. Yeah, at least record something in the car or something. Yeah. Let me grow my beard back out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And another thing that's brought up back in the intro is the and introducing credit. That's kind of a tradition for Halloween movies is because, like we said before, this movie has brought some really, really incredible talent into the fray here. You know, like Danielle Harris, Paul Rudd, Jamie Lee Curtis herself, you know. And now they have a young man by the name of Jabril Nantambu. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this kid steals this movie, steals it entirely. And he pretty much establishes himself. He establishes himself as the funniest character and the smartest character in the entire series. It was all. It was improv, right? Yeah, he improvised oh. most all of that. Oh, he's hilarious. He's hilarious, and he's so on point. It's like, oh my god, man, where do they thinking, find this kid? What I kept thinking was, okay, you know all the stupid shit that white people do in horror movies. Yeah, this is the kid that knows better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, knows, he knows not what. To, yeah, what he to do. he he is a black kid, and <laughs> that is kind of in a weird way. I think it's symbolic there. Yeah, because he, he's not a token character. He's not killed. First, he's just he, not a stupid ass white person. <laughs> he ran out the front door. He ran out the front door when it happened. Like we won't spoil too much about it, but we will say that he does escape, and that makes him the smartest character in this entire franchise. Pretty much. Yeah, he doesn't try to go out and explore something on his or her own. That's hilarious. What, what, what does he tell Dave? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, you go check it out. <laughs> you go check it out. <laughs> oh, that got such a laugh in the in the theater. Oh, my God. That was so great. But, I mean, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, watch that kid. Jibrail Nantambu. He's Nantambu. He is coming up. Future he is star. going to be amazing. Maybe when they do a Black Panther reboot and, like, that would be Ten interesting. Years. That'd be interesting. <laughs> like sitcoms. Yeah. Stuff like the middle, you know. You know, may, maybe uh, Jordan Peele can get him in one of his movies soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, that kid could have his own show instantly. He, he could easily. And then movies from there. <laughs> oh, man, he, he can movies. go. He can. I, I mean, Netflix would be crazy not to he's scoop him up for, like, Stranger Things or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's got, he's got it. You think Tyler Perry would tap him? He's got that Perry comedy could, element. Tyler, Tyler Perry could probably could, bring him. I, could see him with. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of faith in Tyler Perry's filmmaking ability. He's kind of hackneyed, mm. you know? A little too raunchy, maybe. And also, I mean, there's a lot of technical flubs in his movies that are just mm. kind of unforgivable, like sound flubs. It's like, my God, are you just using the boom mic and nothing else? It's like, I expected if we're going to watch like an indie movie or something, but even some of those have. Really good quality. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. But yeah, Jabril Nantambu, definitely look out for this kid. I mean, I'm sure you can probably find him on IMDb. It's like, everybody, follow him, watch him. He's going places. Now, 
Another thing that we want to bring up, because Robert and I saw this recently, and we talked about the fan films earlier, is a specific fan film that was hyped up for a good like year, right? It was uh, The Spirit of Haddonfield. The Spirit of Haddonfield, and that is actually a very interesting short fan film. Well, 20 minutes long. Not too bad, though. <laughs> it's maybe 15 or 20 minutes long, and it tells a very self-contained story that still evokes the original Halloween movie. Like, especially on the streets and, you know, the whole stalking that Michael is known for, like, that is perfectly encapsulated Probably there. Like, was it Flagstaff, Arizona or somewhere right there? Yeah, yeah, it was filmed in Arizona, but they still made it look like Haddonfield. It's, it like it's incredible. It. Found a, the right neighborhood. Do you I know guess. where they filmed Halloween? The original Halloween? Was it California? Or the, the original or this one? The yeah, new one. It was California. I, I don't I think, think that California. they... I don't think that they were actually on a film set or anything no, like that. It was, why doesn't anyone actually film yeah. in the locations that their stories take place? Like Nowadays, they yeah. do that a lot more. It just, it just depends on what they need. I don't know. Uh, I was just always thought, like, okay, if I need to film in Illinois, uh, if I'm filming in Illinois, I should film in Illinois. You go to Chicago, right? What, what better place, right, than well, the actual? You'd, you'd be surprised, man. I mean, a lot of cities, they have their own film boards, you know, and they really try to aggressively have filmmakers come and work there, especially big Hollywood filmmakers. Like, they'll give oh. them, like, tax breaks and whatnot. Like, th th that's a whole other level of politics involving the film industry. Right I always there. did wonder why that happened. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty weird. Like, I get if, like, you know, you don't want to go all the way to Rome or something, but I thought it was, I always thought it was odd when they filmed in one city and they said it was another. See, we go to Hawaii and film Jurassic Park, right? Mm hmm. Just exactly. to cut budgets. Yeah, Halloween. This movie's great as fuck. This movie is so go awesome. Go and man. watch it. <laughs> and. But, I mean, once again, I am so excited. Ben Tramer is alive. Ben Tramer. Ben Tramer lives, people. Is alive. <laughs> Hashtag Ben Tramer ben lives. Tramer. Fuck yeah. Hashtag the shit out Has of that. Has that been memeing a lot lately? Um, well, like we said, that's more of a cinema snob meme. I mean, if you're a fan of Brad Jones and the cinema snob, you'll know exactly what that is. Because it, it's, it's really funny. That's funny. Yeah. It was, it's really, really great. You got the mask from part two, Ben Tramer. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the Ben Tramer mask in the midnight screen. So hilarious. Yeah. I'm going to pick that one over on the front Honestly, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap things up for this first episode of Season 2. Halloween 2018 is right now the number one movie in America. It had the best opening for a October horror film. It, it actually beat it's it. Per, coming out in October? 
Yeah. Close to Halloween. And wow. it's also the best horror opening for a for a horror movie with a female lead as well. It's an amazing opening. For we that. tried to keep it spoiler free because y'all should really go and see this for you yourselves. You really should. Like, we're gonna have some. There's some minor spoilers in this episode. I'm not gonna lie. We, I think we still kind of reined it in just fine. I don't know. You I know? feel like we ended up talking more about the franchise. We, I think <laughs> that it's honestly because it, it was important to understand right. the franchise in order to understand this movie. Yeah, exactly. It's very. It's actually very important to understand it. So yeah. you got to go back to the first one. You got to go back to the first one. You got to know, you know, the trajectory of those movies and how they mm-hmm. worked out. And you know. that's what this is. This is kind of like a. It's interesting for me because I didn't see it this way. Yeah. But it, it, it's it is definitely a callback for the fans. It, it's definitely it, meant to be a. It's very much in comparison. many ways the ultimate fan film. Right. It's pro- probably it next to Jason X. It's probably oh. the which is the greatest fan film ever made. You still have fun watching Jason X. Oh, Jason X is so much fun. <laughs> that is a, that and Freddy versus Jason to me are just really fun movies, and that's a great double feature as well. Great double feature, ladies and gentlemen. Freddy vs. Jason. But yes, watch Halloween, and also stay tuned for season two of Collateral Cinema. Mm-hmm. Our next our next episode is going to be, once again, a call. We're going to have a few episodes that are callbacks to our first season, and this is going to be the Disaster Artist. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're going to talk about the movie about the room. I missed out on the podcast of the room. I wanted to get on board. As early as that, but but you are on the commentary, which by the way is still up on Podbean Patron, ladies and gentlemen. Please give us money for our commentaries, <laughs> please, so we can yeah. continue the dream. We have a Patreon, but we're not going to start working on that until probably here a little while later. I don't know. There's just not a whole lot of people coming to it, whatnot. We're supporting starving families. <laughs> yeah, something like that. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I mean, we look forward to bringing you some quality content this season. So with that, you can find Collateral Cinema on iTunes. You can find them on Spotify. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us... They don't take it down. You can find us on Tumblr. You can find us on WordPress WordPress yeah did I say Google Play we're on Google Play who uses Google Play I Android users (laughs) 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 and I just recently put in a request to be featured on iHeartRadio so hopefully we might be on that platform on iHeart that'll actually be pretty spot on going places and also please follow us on Twitter at Twitter, I should say, at C Cinema Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well, and we are also on Instagram. Instagram. Yes. Hit us up on Instagram, and our email is collateralcinemamoviepodcast at gmail.com. If you are an indie movie filmmaker, if you have even a short film or a full feature, send us a screener. We will review that. Yeah, we'll find some time in this season to review it. In addition to following the Collateral Cinema, uh, I think all of us we all have individual accounts on Facebook, Instagram, yeah. and Twitter. So uh, yeah, yeah. if you want to do a little bit of digging, you can always, always check, us, check yeah. out our individual personal accounts. Yeah, I can. post a lot about Collateral Cinema online. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. I post a lot me of too. it. Somewhat. And car stuff. Also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to go ahead and wind it down, ladies and gentlemen. We're glad to be back. We're happy that we had so many people listen to us and download us. Please keep the downloads coming. And there's going to be much more in store for y'all. 
So, for Collateral Cinema, I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. Collateral Cinema out. Collateral Cinema is an L Company production. All music and movie clips are owned by their respective creators. Please don't sue us. We're poor.